Oh, hello. 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 This is Tim. the doom to fail podcast my name is tim dobbs and i am an artist and you should respect me as such and with me as ever through all these crisscrossing wires around this grand country of ours it's race car driver extraordinaire katherine coger <laughs> Good to be here now. That sounded really bad. Are you okay? <laughs> it was kind of a crash. It's good Ooh. though. It's good. Yeah, you're on fire and everything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually a ghostwriter. Funny story. Huh, look at that. You know, I am speaking... Nicolas Cage. <laughs> well, good work. That's uh that explains so many things. Right? So as regular listeners of this show know, we have a number of different series and we fall through the series uh, like so many parachuters tumbling through the forest because they missed the landing zone. And when we hit the ground, we'll find the series we like and um, hopefully be okay. And yeah, hopefully we won't have broken our legs on the fall. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, I will leave it to the listeners to figure out how to match that metaphor with, with the series. At any rate, we have a lot of series we go through and this week we're talking about unique instruments Boo. drop yes unique instruments and we're doing something a little a little kooky right Catherine? a little, little bit kooky <laughs> good very good that's that's show don't tell and i appreciate that <laughs> thank so you so what, what's different about this week what what specifically are we talking about well we're actually just taking one song a song we all know that you heard about near the top of the show. And we're looking at all oh, the interesting... I have to interrupt you. Interrupt me. Because the song they heard at the top of the show was How Do You Know by Blamos. We're moving back at the acknowledgement every step, every episode. How, how did you miss that? I'm ashamed. I, I, don't, I don't know how to know. Uh, all Blamos does is ask me questions in that song, so... Some shows I wonder why I put up with you as a co-host, and then I remember that you're much better at editing than I am. <laughs> you're so, so sweet. <laughs> but the song they heard after that, Catherine, if, if we can draw the listener back now about <laughs> what we're talking about specifically. Was Thus Sprock Zarathustra? Or Thus Spoke Zarathustra? How do you even say Zarathustra. that? Zarathustra. Uh, yeah, yeah. Also, Sprock Zarathustra. Man, you're right. Also, Sprock Zarathustra, uh, which translates in English to Thus Spoke Zarathustra. And specifically, the movement of that piece, because that's actually a rather long piece, uh, the movement we're talking about is Sunrise, which is the fanfare at the beginning of it. Right. Okay, so you are the key master on this one, Tim. 
What? Mm-hmm. What's the deal here? Well, hang on. Let me sort through my keys. Here's the deal. So this is a song written uh, by Richard Strauss in 1896, or at least that's when it premiered. I don't know how long it takes to write these things, but probably a while. And we all know it because it was featured prominently in 2001 A Space Odyssey. You know, the opening scene where all the monkeys see the monolith and yes. et cetera, et cetera. Yes, it's true. That's what we all really, really know it from. It's true. And it's a tone poem. The whole thing is, uh, it's a piece of music that is intended to evoke a poem or a scene or a story. Okay. And this is in contrast to absolute music, which I once read a book called What to Listen for in Music by Aaron Copeland, in which he was uh, very upset with the idea that people thought that they were supposed to picture things when they listen to music. He was saying that music is pure and it is feelings in and of itself. It doesn't mean anything. Um... But that would be absolute music, and in this case, a tone poem is the opposite of that. Right. You actually are supposed to be seeing things in your head. Okay, so what are you supposed to be seeing? Monkeys killing each other? If you're watching that movie. If, if you're watching that movie and you don't see that, then, well, you're not really watching that movie, I guess. <laughs> There's a paradox I, right there. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> you're supposed to be seeing the context of this philosophical novel written by friedrich nietzsche which is also called thus spoke zarathustra huh i have a story about nietzsche i would love to hear it okay so there um in the 1930s film had uh was starting to how do i want to say this so in the 1930s film was starting to get a little bit more regulated as far as what you can and can't show in the screen this is the, oh, what code is that? That code has a name. The Hayes Production Code. There you go. Yeah. Um, so they were starting to implement the Hayes Production Code, which was a self-implemented um, code. So it was a code that was like filmmakers put on themselves specifically so they wouldn't have to get regulated by the FCC. Yep. Um, so in a, this film, Babyface, which was about a woman who essentially sleeps her way to the top, her sort of mentor character is all this time encouraging her to sleep her way to the top. But then in the edited version, they turn him into, like, this guy who um, is, like, shaming her the entire time. So they completely change the intent of his character, which is really weird. And they do it by before he's, like, handing her Nietzsche novels. And afterwards, they, like, blur out the title of the book and, like, the author. And it's just a really weird approach to take. Uh-huh. They just like what? I, he's just handing her like blue composition books, blank journals, like. No, like he, she's or he's handing her Nietzsche books. No, no, but what? But in the edited version, oh. he's just spo- supposedly just handing her like g- generic books. Yeah, they're you know just what? like reading is a read good thing. this so that you don't become a whore, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> well. But uh, so that's actually a good introduction to what Nietzsche's all about. I think most people will have some sense of it. But one of the themes that's in this book, it concerns the travels of uh, a prophet named Zarathustra. And he's named after the prophet of the ancient Persian religion, Zoroastrism, which uh, I don't know very much about. So but we'll it let that go. awesome. <laughs> it's a great name. I would be a Zoroastrist just for the name. <laughs> that's... That's how the religions pull you in. <laughs> Scientology? Come on. Mm, that's <laughs> it's true. a pretty good name. That's a pretty good name. <laughs> At any rate, the themes of this book 
one of them that's really big is the will to power. Uh, one of the, it's the idea that that's what drives people to do things is they just want power. Right. And yeah. so that that makes a lot of sense why he would hand her Nietzsche novels. Right. Um, so there's will to power. The other things in this book is he talks about the Ubermensch, the Overman. And there's also eternal recurrence, which is everything happens all the same all the time anyway. It's all very serious, nihilistic stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's what this tone poem is about, really. And so to give you a little contrast on that, here's a version played by a three-piece family harmonica band. <laughs> Back in a second. so great it's it's these it's these three people a son a daughter and their father and they make the Miklas family the wife is not there but she's actually in the group too Ah. and they all wear shirts that say love and passion for harmonicas (laughs) it's just so great and the the son has this big huge beefy harmonica that makes the bass noise and the father's (laughs) playing this like ridiculously long double harmonica it's like two feet long it's so good someone's compensating Well, so I did I did a, a cursory internet search on the Miklas family, and it turns out they are essentially a Southern Baptist good time family band solution. <laughs> <laughs> they really are. They it, it's they're like a traveling family of people who just like play music, and their specialty is harmonica combo. Oh, jeez, it's so great. That's delightful. Yeah, that's delightful. But so to bring it back. Uh, we're going to touch on a little music theory. How do you feel about that? I feel great about that. You uh, you, you you played something when you were uh, when you were a little younger, right? Yeah. You yes, I did. I played some piano and I played some cello. Neither one of which I played well. Hmm. But you know. Well, I get. I guess I should take this then. <laughs> <laughs> so, the basics here is that uh, a scale is broken down into eight notes. Yes. And the top note has double the frequency of the bottom note. So let's say we're plucking a guitar string. If that string vibrates 100 times per second for the bottom note, then the top note will vibrate 200 times per second. And there's one more important thing here, which is the fifth note of, these, of this eight-note scale mm-hmm. is actually 1.5 times the frequency of the bottom note. Oh, really? So if the bottom note is 100 times per second, then the fifth note will be 150 times per second. Interesting. So yep. they're not like evenly spaced? No, they're not actually. That's interesting. Yeah, this is why when you look at a guitar, um, the frets get smaller and smaller as you go up. Okay. Because the, the way you divide is not just... Um, you don't go up by half each time or something like that. In fact, you actually divide it into fractions. Interesting. Okay. 
So there's something special about this fifth note. We already mm-hmm. talked about how the bottom note and the top note kind of sound the same. Right. Well, the fifth note, they, they call it consonant, which is to say that it has no attitude. It's not like there are certain notes in the scale that give these, make the music sound happy or sad. Right. Like right. a major third or a minor third. A major third makes it sound bright and cheery and a minor third makes it sound sad and no good. Interesting side note, a dial tone is a major third. So, you know, <laughs> it's, it's to make it sound friendly. It was like literally people went into, they thought about this and they were said, we want people to think about, they want to feel good about reaching out to other people. So really? we'll do a nice friendly major third. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, it's pretty cool. But so we're, we're talking about the fifth note right now, which right. as we said, has no attitude. It's sort of just there with it. And what's interesting about Sunrise, this opening fanfare right. to the long titled song right. is that it goes bottom note fifth note top note and so it's it's pure it's very neutral it doesn't have a lot of attitude yeah and they actually call that bit the nature motif is it motif or motif Motif. I think it's motif, right? Yeah, it's motif. Definitely. I had a friend motif. who said motif, and he was very judgmental. Um, and so <laughs> well, then you should shoot your friend in the face, would be my re- recommendation. Mm. Okay, great, great. Always full of good advice. So they call it the nature motif because it's so simple and because it's so uh, pure you said and motive. neutral. Did I? I think I said motif. Okay. Hmm. You said motif. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> You know, I'm going to go over here, and you you run the podcast. Okay. Hey, everybody. We're going to talk about nail polish now. What kind of nail polish do you wear? I don't wear any nail polish because I love me for me. Stop (laughs) it. No. So here we go. We're going to look at uh, this is is the 8-bit version of also Sprock Zarathustra. And you can hear the sort of pure distillation of this... uh, first note fifth note top note If you're taking away all the feeling and emotion from it and just doing 8-bit, then it's only when you bring the chords in that it really starts to 
heat up. Well, yeah, that's actually exactly it. That first chord, that dun dun, yeah, that's when it gets the attitude because it goes major third, minor third. Interesting. Oh, major cool. third, minor third. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's all very purposeful. Actually, there's like a weird math to this song. There is. Oh, math is oh. everywhere. <laughs> all around us you all should learn how to do math because it's cool and important (laughs) this is uh the end of our psa i guess now you know (laughs) shooting star so so that was a very straightforward uh exacting version because i imagine whoever set that up basically literally plugged in the frequencies that had to be played Mm mm-hmm and here is the opposite of that. This is a middle school kids chorus singing that I found. exactly what i looked at like when i was in middle school chorus yeah exactly that's what i love i love it so much because it's like all right first of all they're singing the names of all the other songs they sang at their recital (laughs) which is like super cute this is like their closing credits that's great and then it reminds me so much of yeah being in middle school doing this sort of thing especially because so there's a video of this and we're going to post all of these videos mm-hmm. on on the blog oh you know but, it. <laughs> but the way that they're dressed is exactly reminiscent of the way i remember middle schoolers being dressed in that yep like it was kind of a lot to ask for them to even have dress clothes yep and so they're they're just barely cutting under the line exactly. of being able to wear a white top and a black bottom like that's that's all you can really ask from them and even then they're like a little not quite pulling it off i see a girl wearing flip-flops yep <laughs> she's the pretty because... one <laughs> great they're in middle school like they need more judgment well i said that she's the pretty one with disdain so that should help things <laughs> okay okay jumping back in Yes. The other thing I really, really like about it is that, again, this this was a YouTube video, so there was a comment on YouTube that just said, in all caps, Go, Emma! Hi, I can hear you! You sound good! Which is just, it's so... Aww. It's just so quintessentially middle school band, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh... Oh, I just love it. It's it's kids discovering a passion for music. I like it. I don't know, because you've ri- typed it out here, and I'm not sure if it's just verbatim. But it says, hi, can hear you, the letter U, 
The next word is you, spelled out Y-O-U. Sound good. Yep. This is... No consistency. I mean, this, this is almost definitely one of her friends who saw it on YouTube and was very excited. Yeah. It, rem- it reminds me of my little brother, who, who is also very excited by YouTube. I think we might have to be right back and... I might have to, <laughs> Catherine. You might need to, you might need a nap. I'm not really sure what's going on. Uh, but here's a little palate cleanser so that you can stop hearing also Sprague Zarathustra. Here's something else that's pretty cool. Right back, Big the Fail Podcast. Stop it. Catherine and Tim, and we've been talking for a long time now about uh, also Sprock Zarathustra. Zarathustra. Now, we talked about a few of those songs where we we played a few uh, different covers, and I guess my question to you is, why do you think this song is so often covered? What's up with this? Why, when I type this song name into YouTube, can I come up with like fifty different versions? this song has a lot of cultural relevance i think that's a big part of it Hmm. um but then again so could i don't know sweet home alabama that's not as often (laughs) covered more people might know that well i don't know more people know the name of that song more people well i mean that's it's right in there Hmm. thus spoke zarathustra is a little bit more it's like far fewer people know the name of that song Yes, but if people are if people are hearing the notes, they know what's up. Oh, that's true. Um, okay, so cultural relevance. Cultural relevance. It's just it's it's it. a part of the culture. So people, yeah. when they think of like dumb songs they can play, they go, "Oh, we should do that." Yeah, exactly. Songs they that. can do without any legal repercussions. Oh, for sure. That's why <laughs> we're talking about it. <laughs> I wanted to talk about "Take Me Home, Country Roads," but no can't do it that john denver <laughs> he's a mean one <laughs> um is it a great song well yeah so that's so what you said was it's culturally relevant we just sort of all know it but does it mean it's good i guess is is, is the real question there that is and the i don't question. know it's just these it's these three notes like i've been listening to it so much doing the research for this and right. I, I just like hmm um, 
but I do like the math to it. Like there's so much math to it and there's so much in there that's making us feel particular emotions. I guess all music is this way. So I don't know if there's anything special happening, but it really is a tone poem. Yes, it, it its point is to strongly associate with things. Right. And so you, you strongly see these images and feel these emotions. And because it's so oft repeated, it's very, you know, you have some association with it. Exactly. Exactly. As far as the math, I think, I mean, all music has, has math to it. Just some of it is more complex. It's, it's, this is math that's very simple to follow, you know? Yeah. And so it's, it's very evident. But, you know, uh, uh, Arcade Fire song has all the same basic components. It's just they play it faster and do different versions and they flip a lot. And, you know. How, and it's also in English. Um, Arcade Fire? Yeah. Oh. It's in English. <laughs> I mean, it's an English song and it's done with English-American sensibilities. And I think what makes it universal is that <clears throat> universally, because it is so simple and it's so bare bones, like here are three notes that you... Well, no, the second you hear them. <laughs> yes. Um, it, that, I think that makes it universal. And I think I'm going to argue, and I want you to feel free to disagree with me. I don't even know why I say that. It goes without saying. But. I'll do it even if I don't want to. <laughs> I know you will, Tim. So because that makes it so universal, I think that makes it great. So, I've prepared a little speech, much along these lines, and if you'll indulge me. Okay. <clears throat> so, yeah, I, I, I think I reflect a lot of your feelings here, because this song is a familiar enough shorthand. It's what you were saying about it being in the culture. We all know to picture this sort of dark planet with the sun coming over it, something big and epic like that. And so, it, it's it's a shorthand for these big grand things on an epic scale. Everything's huge. And so then I go and I picture this family harmonica band or this middle school chorus. And it's these little groups in little places, but they have this big love and passion for what they're doing. They really care. And I looked at a lot of different performances for this. I saw... A guy and his buddy, and they're in a basement, and, and one guy's playing the laser harp. And the other guy's playing the electronic drums. He's playing one of those drum sets. And a girl, and she's learning the accordion, and she sets up the camera, and hits record, and then steps back and plays the accordion. There's a whole accordion ensemble, a whole group of these people sitting in a little tiny half shell, and a conductor waving them on. And I think what happens here is this song elevates the small scale of this performance. They're all sitting in their homes in these little town concert venues. So it takes that and it elevates it to this grand scale that reflects the passion that they have for what they're doing. And, and so briefly, even though it's, it's just for a moment, the joy that they have from this... This song is able to elevate it because it means so much to our culture. It's able to elevate the joy that they have into the joy for all of humanity. Just for a moment, they can feel like this is everything. Too much? Just right.
So I have one more question. Oh boy. <laughs> what, what what would you play if you want to do a version from this? You know it's uh it's it's not under copyright, so we can do it. What would you want to play? Hmm. Well, thinking back on our unique instrument series. Mhm. Something big and grand, you know? Mhm. Stalactite piano? Stalactite piano, yes! Pretty good. <laughs> Sitting there in Lou Ray Caverns. <laughs> I like it. What about you? I think... Talking about big and grand. So, even even I've, I've played this song just because when I played tuba in high school, it was one of the first things they taught us because it's really easy to play. <laughs> and so, it wasn't the full version, but you can just sort of get through the important parts. Right. And so I would play it on tuba, but I would blow it up and play the contra tuba, the really, really big one that right. takes like all your air to play. <laughs> we'll post a picture of it on the blog. Okay. <laughs> but that would, I think that would be a good scale. I like it. <laughs> all right. Let's see. I think that's just about all we have to say about, what is this we're talking about? I've already forgotten. Ah, it's over mm. now. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh well. I'm going to go back to sleep until next week when we record. Yeah, no, that sounds about right. <laughs> oh, beautiful. So next week when we record, we will be talking about, do you know off the top of your head? Tim, I swear to God. Why would I know? All I've heard is, is these three notes too. over and over and over again. You don't know. I know. What is it? We're talking about our second episode on the Happy Hour series, microbreweries, and the Boobers. snobs they foster. Yes. <laughs> In a good way, because I think there's something delightful about microbrew snobs. We, we won't be negative, I promise. So look forward to that next week. Do it up. On the Doom to Fail podcast. All right. In the meantime, <laughs> have, have just as bubbly a week as Catherine is having today when we record what up all right yeah do it yeah okay all right until then it's Catherine kogan over there tib dobbs over here bye 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 I'm feeling stressed Put down your phone and I'll tell you what's happening next Honey, you're passing the test She sees what she wants to